Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Lean. Welcome to Industry Corner, a podcast where I discuss postal industry news to help you stay informed. On today's podcast, I discuss the oral arguments from the D.C. District Court hearing on September 13, a recently published white paper from the OIG on service standards and the USPS proactive approach to scheduled and somewhat predictable future price increases. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Even though the market dominant prices increased on August 29th with the largest percentage increase in years, we are still waiting for a final determination from the D.C. District Court on whether or not the Postal Regulatory Commission had the authority under Title 39, Section 3622 to allow the USPS to exceed the CPI-U, that's the Consumer Price Index Urban Rate, as a price cap per class of mail. Now, as you may recall, the industry filed a stay of implementation earlier this year that was denied, and an appeal was filed, and oral arguments were scheduled for September 13th. Well, that recently occurred, and I listened to the roughly one-hour and 15-minute hearing, which included arguments from the industry, represented by Aisha Khan from Potomac Law Group, USPS lawyers, and the Department of Justice representing the decision of the PRC. The basic summary of the hearing was that the industry believes the PRC overstepped its authority under Title 39, Section 3622 by effectively removing the CPIU price cap through the introduction of the additional pricing adders, which I had discussed in a prior podcast, and they're a bit complicated as well. The USPS, of course, appreciated the additional pricing authority, but they argued it didn't go far enough and wanted even more pricing latitude to cover their attributable costs and to help mitigate future loss in mail volume and revenue. And of course, the Department of Justice, in a kind of a somewhat surprising move, frankly, effectively said they stand by their position that they had the authority per the language in Title 39 to exceed the CPI, and they didn't have any prepared remarks, but they were happy to answer any questions, which sort of surprised the three justices there that were hearing these, uh, these oral arguments. Now, as I've noted before, I'm 12 years short of a law degree, so I certainly am grossly underqualified to provide a legal opinion on this. However, I can say that the entire decision here does seem to rest solely on a single sentence as part of Title 39, Section 3622, D3. Okay, so it's a specific part of that piece of the law. And, and here's exactly what that section specifically states. It says, 10 years after the date of enactment of the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act, and as appropriate thereafter, the commission shall review the system for regulating rates and classes for market-dominant products established under this section to determine if the system is achieving the objectives in subsection B, taking into account the factors in subsection C. And if the commission determines after notice and opportunity for public comment that the system is not achieving the objectives in subsection B, and I'll explain those in a minute, taking into account the factors in subsection C, the commission may, by regulation, make such modification or, or, and this is key, let me go back and say that, if the commission determines after notice an opportunity for public comment that the system is not achieving the objectives in subsection B, taking into account the factors in subsection C, the commission may, by regulation, make such modification or adopt such alternative system for regulating rates and classes for market-dominant products as necessary to achieve the objectives. Okay, so here's the key thing in all of this, right? That's that second sentence in the paragraph is the main point. The question for the D.C. District Court is quite simply this. Does the language in this law 
allow the PRC to adopt an entirely different methodology, including uncapped pricing authority as long as the objectives in Section B are achieved. Well, let's take a look at Section B to see what these nine objectives are. Objective one is to maximize incentives to reduce costs and increase efficiency. Objective two, to create predictability and stability in rates. Section three, to maintain high quality service standards established under section 3691. Objective four, to allow the postal service pricing flexibility. Five, to assure adequate revenues, including retained earnings to maintain financial stability. Six, to reduce the administrative burden and increase the transparency of the rate making process. Seven, to enhance mail security and deter terrorism. Eight, to establish and maintain a just and reasonable schedule for rates and classifications. However, the objective under this paragraph shall not be construed to prohibit the Post Service from making changes of unequal magnitude within, between, or among classes of mail, and nine, to allocate the total institutional cost of the Postal Service appropriately between market-dominant and competitive products. Now, as I've shared in a prior podcast, one of the major points of PAEA from the industry's perspective was for predictability and stability in pricing. And we see that as one of the main objectives. In fact, that, that was objective number two. Okay. And moreover, I'm certainly, I am certainly uh, aware that many in the mailing industry would argue that the additional pricing adders provided by the PRC are not necessarily, quote, just and reasonable, unquote. Indeed, one of the positions of the industry for this whole oral argument was that the PRC's changes were capricious. Now, in my opinion, for what it's worth, it seems odd to me that Congress would intentionally delegate their authority through the language in 3622D3 to the Postal Regulatory Commission to effectively and completely change the law of Title 39. I mean, if Congress wanted the PRC, after 10 years, to completely eliminate the price cap, then perhaps they should have stated that area more clearly in, in that section. They should have very overtly stated, hey, PRC, you can throw out all of what we've done here and go forward with whatever pricing methodology you want and without any kind of a cap. So, so this is a major, major decision for the court to consider, and it would likely have, could likely have significant impact on the entire mailing industry. However, we will not know a final decision, most likely until early next year. It could take four to six months, depending on how long it takes for the court. And in the meantime, we don't have a choice but to move forward with the new prices, including a market competitive increase that goes into effect on October 1st. So it's really an important topic, something we're going to watch closely with this. And on a related note, although I'm not certain if the timing was tied to the oral arguments on September 13th, but the Postal Service sort of surprised the industry on September 15th with a notification outlining a whole new cadence of price increases for market-dominant products. Now, beginning in July of 2022, the USPS will file price adjustments twice per year in July and in January. So they're not going to file a price increase in January of 22, uh, but they may still file a market competitive price in January of 22, depending on, on the decision of the Board of Governors and, of course, any Postal Regulatory Commission approval. Having a predictable cadence of price changes is very important for the industry, especially for software providers like BCC. It is also important for, in, for changes to industry specifications, such as the Mail.Data and MailXML. However, keep in mind that we will still likely have at least one market competitive increase as well for the fall mailing season. So this gets us back to exactly what I had stated in a prior podcast, a state of perpetual update as software providers will need to release at least four major updates each year. 
two market dominant changes, one in July and one in January, and then a roll on and roll off change for the market competitive prices. So that's four per year. So hang on, folks. It's going to be a roller coaster of releases going forward with this new cadence. I also wanted to discuss a recent and very timely uh, primer on service standards published by the OIG. It's a brief 20-page paper that really does an excellent job of explaining the importance of service standards, how they're determined, and the process for making changes to those standards. Now, prior to implementation of the Delivering for America plan, the Postal Service's 10-year uh, plan, the service standards for each class of mail were priority mail from one to three days, first class mail one to three days, marketing mail three to 10 days, periodicals three to nine days, and then package services two to eight days. And if you recall on a prior podcast, I talk a little bit about some of the changes that the Postal Service wants to implement with that. And the, if the USPS wants to make changes to the standards, this primer explains it has to begin with the Chief Logistics and Process Operations Officer, uh, who is currently Isaac Cronkite. And he's the one that makes the recommendation to the U.S. Postal Service Executive Leadership Team. They then bring that to the Board of Governors who review and consider it. And if after the management team is all in agreement with it, then they issue that uh, that change to the Postal Regulatory Commission for an advisory opinion. And they need to do that with a 90-day notification window before they can implement any service standard changes. And indeed, we're currently in that period of time with regards to the first class mail. The PRC is still considering the changes outlined in that Delivering for America plan. And as a reminder, if they implement it as it's listed, service standards for first class mail will now go from one to five days, which, which could have a major impact on service level agreements for mail service providers or mail owners, particularly those with legal requirements such as financial and insurance companies. And finally, I want to remind everyone that Congress is still working on postal reform legislation. H.R. 3076 in the House and S. 1720 in the Senate are still active, and the House may begin moving forward on their bill very soon, in fact, just in the next couple of weeks here in September. So as such, it's very important to make sure that your voice is heard if you are in support of this legislation. And to that end, the National Postal Policy Council is actively working to finalize a draft letter for industry to sign on to showing support for this legislation. Because if passed, the Postal Reform Act of 2021, as it's called, would merge USPS Healthcare and Medicare, saving the Postal Service billions of dollars, and repeal the pre-funded retiree healthcare requirement that would in turn remove at least one of the pricing adders that the PRC introduced in their 10-year review. So that's going to help keep our, our postage rates down. So this would be a great thing if it's passed this year because then that, that could lower what could potentially be a 5.8 to 6% increase in July of next year. So anything that we that Congress can do to lower that would be, would be appreciated, I'm sure, by both the Postal Service and the industry because it saves Postal Service billions of dollars and removes one of the complicated adders uh, that would raise our, our prices. So if you'd like to know more about what's going on with what the uh, the NPPCs is called, the National Postal Policy Council, and what they're doing, I really highly encourage you to visit their webpage at www.postalcouncil.org to learn more. Art Sackler uh, leads up the NPPC. He does a fantastic job. He's well-respected, and I know that he would greatly appreciate you reaching out to him uh, to show your support, uh, or at least get, get an idea to take a look at the letter that they're finalizing to let members in Congress know that this is important for both the Postal Service and the industry that this legislation uh, gets passed this year. 
So I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about things such as mail tracking, informed visibility, informed delivery, uh, how to automate your your mailing workflows better, please visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a phone call. Because as always, we'd like to know, how can we help? Thanks for listening, everyone, to the podcast and have a great day.